That's actually pretty good. <laughs> You're like the opposite of a beatboxer. You're like a drop the bass guy. The wub wub man. You could be like, I know how to. You need someone to drop the bass. Yeah, I'm your dude, out man. <laughs> Standing by. <laughs> Here we are, very ape, Sean and Cass. Back at it again. Nothing can stop us. Can't stop, won't stop. No. Everyone's got to live. <laughs> and everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. Everybody's trying to have a good time, baby. <laughs> I think you know the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back on this. Um, I'm back on vaporizing, bud. Yes. I have the dabs on standby in case, but I'm trying to relegate those to nighttime hours. It's, how do you like the lifestyle? I love the lifestyle. I forgot how much I love the lifestyle. It was basically like while we were shooting this summer, I got just fully absorbed in dabs and just started doing those all day. Because you're like, this is the lifestyle. Yeah. I was like, now this. I never even made that choice in a given moment. I just switched over. I just like this phased this out. And then like I found this the other day and I was like, wait. And you reminded me. You were like, by the way, you're spending like $22 a day on dabs. I'm like, Jesus Christ, my (laughs) Jesus, we've never heard prices like that down under. This is, you're just following your dad's footsteps instead of two packs a day. It's, you know, whatever this is. No, even um, who we get the dabs from, you know, pure rosin dabs. And mm-hmm. He's the dab man. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't even smoke dabs till the evening. And we're like, oh. Mm, I should have asked. <laughs> mm. You're just going rogue out here. I was just getting crazy. I'm, I'm just doing me, you know. There's a, no one knows how to do me but me. You gotta, I know what I need. You got to do what you got to do in this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We try not to judge what other people need. I always say, don't judge a man by what he needs to get through the day. I know. That's just because I don't want anyone judging me. I know. I was giving my mom a hard time because she started drinking some, some wine in the evenings. And I was, she was like, Cassie, you shut up. You do all this weird stuff. and like. She doesn't want you saying anything about stuff? alcohol? No, she just doesn't want me giving her a hard time because she's like, I've been so accepting of you. Like, just don't yeah, get yeah. on my case, you know. I'm doing so good. Just reminders. It's it's, it's just helpful to... to. I'm just like, it's poison, Mom. It's poison. <laughs> what else can you say? It is. You know? Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like, ketamine, it's medicine. Well, I'm just kidding. I don't even do that. Well, like Larry actually. told us, he was like, there's lifestyle drugs and there's death style drugs. Yeah. Or something like that. Life affirming and death affirming. I say lifestyle and death style. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> I don't know. Death style kind of gives uh, those kind of drugs too good of a name, you know? Not really. Not for me because I associate that word with a horrible Metallica uh, album called St. Anger. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, that's. I think that's some of James Hetfield's horrible lyrics that probably should have been temporary that ended up making it on the album. But. You were saying something interesting the other day. You were like, "This uh, everyone drinks, what is it, liquid death. And you're like, words are spells. And what kind of spell are we doing with liquid death? You know I just don't understand that product name. And here we are saying it. Oh, sorry. But that's why. But, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not like crazy like that. But like, I just don't understand why you would want. Cause you're badass. You're a badass. I'm a badass. 
look at this liquid death. And we're going to look back at this era like like Ed Hardy. Remember Ed Hardy and yeah. like trucker hats and all that stuff? We're, we're going to look back at people holding cans of liquid death and be like, Jesus Christ, fucking herb. Yeah, use a reusable water. Come yeah, on, come a on. Get a fucking bottle of water. What the hell? Are you throwing your cans of water away still? Like how many cans? Like I think it was, it's a good transitionary period to get people off like you know soda or beer it's like oh i feel cooler i'm at a bar you know yeah but yeah, to yeah. just be like solely how it would be nice at a bar skip and then just think of transporting water that water weighs a lot and it needs to be canned and transported to think you. about that that fucking sucks and then you know aluminum cans i don't even know if those are good but don't they like line most of the cans with plastic so it's like you got the microplastics I don't need to start this. I, I always, I, I came up thinking uh, aluminum cans, cans were like the the first enemy before plastic bottles took over. You know, aluminum cans well, were just were like, like, we got to get off these things. Like that was in the eighties. You're like, we need to stop smoking weed out of the aluminum cans. I smoked so much weed out of aluminum cans that like, I don't know if I'll be okay. <laughs> I don't know if we'll you see, are like, okay. Like, literally until I met you, that would be like my go-to thing. <laughs> well, it's because you, you smoke like weed once a month. I'd smoke, yeah, way when you're wasted. When I'm wasted, just be like, fuck it, and just chug a beer and poke a couple holes, throw a butt on there and hit it. It's fucking disgusting. But everyone's got to live. And you got to do what you got to do in this life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe there are worse things. Can we shout out our our new merch drop? Oh, early in the episode, sure. Yeah, because we forget to do this, and you know, people, uh, you know, they move on. They listen to us talk for a couple minutes, and they're like, "That's enough of that." I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we want to say it towards the beginning, but we just did a an epic new merch drop. Yes, you. S- well, I'll start with this. We yes. have a like simple. I wanted one of these, so we got a bunch made. Yeah. But it's just a hat that says very ape. It's very, very tasteful. Yes, because you're tasteful and a monkey. We're all monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, if you're like us and you evolved from apes, um, you might want this to honor that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. totally. So we have very ape beanies. What are, what are these, like 20 bucks or some shit? 25? Uh, if you're a patron, yeah. Patrons get a discount, but... Either way. We got good quality stuff, and yes. so we're now, not competitively priced. Do you want to shout out the artist that, that did this? Amber. Uh, <laughs> Amber. <laughs> Amber Tamblin. Um, no, Andrew Tamblin. Yeah, of course. He's an incredible artist. He did our OG first merch drop. Yeah, and he is uh, Formless Informing on Instagram, and he made these this design. I doubt you could see it, but... So see you on the other side. It's formless.forming. Formless.forming. Yes. Uh, it says, see you on the other side, and on the back of this dope-ass hoodie is this design, which uh, I fucking love. Yes, I love this so much. the kind of hoodie that says you, that I love you where there's no space and time. It's the kind of hoodie that says an angel's got your back. Yeah. For real. What the fuck is going on here? It, it, there's really an angel on your back, and what the fuck is going on here? And then, um, so, and these hoodies are really high quality. We went all out. Yeah, we just got the most expensive, nicest, high-quality ones that's not going to pill up and super warm. fall apart. Because yeah. it's like, at this day and age, you can't just be buying fashion that you want to throw up, throw out. I saw someone say, only buy stuff that you'd be willing to mend. And I think that's a good yeah, that um, policy. Good yeah. I've been buying a lot less stuff. So you want to really care, and this is a great way to support us. So if you like these designs, you should 
rock one. And then I have, we have Laugh Till You Cry, Live Till You Die t-shirt. The official Church of Chill t-shirt. Which I love. And this is a little, if you had a, the original t-shirt, this is a little bit of a heavier weight. The other one was like more of a summer weight. This is more of like a... It's comfort cl- colors. Classic thick weight. Yeah. Pre-broken in. You don't have to wash. You don't have to be like, oh, I got to keep washing that. You know when you get a shirt and you're like, I have to wash this a million times for it to feel good? Yeah. I hate that. I know. I have shirts from the 80s I'm still working on. Sometimes I'm like, let me just throw this shirt in with every load of laundry until I want to wear it. But then I never do. And I'm like, well, I'll never see that shirt. I, I have a Descendants shirt that was made in 1983 for the I Don't Want to Grow Up album. I love that shirt. And I acquired it in like 2003. Mm-hmm. And it was still like a piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. That This thing probably already been washed hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And it was like a piece of cardboard. And uh, I've I've gotten it a little bit softer. So I don't know. Maybe when it reaches its like 50th year on this universe. It'll get soft. Yes. But our shirts are soft, and they stay soft. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Unlike us. You're so responsible. Oh, and know what else we should do? We should say, if you're just listening, you can watch us on YouTube. And if you're just watching us and you want to not be on the YouTube app, because sometimes it sucks when you're trying to do other things, There's we're on Spotify and, and uh, iTunes. I had a friend the other day be like, I didn't know you guys were on Spotify. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I guess we never really talk about it, because... Not a huge fan of that company and their practices. But you love YouTube (laughs) and their practices? No, (laughs) not at all. I I just have more fun on YouTube, you know, so it it feels like also that's how we can tell who's listening and people can leave comments and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot more fun. It's also more novel because our first 182 episodes were audio only. Mm -hmm. So here we are here we are deep into this thing thanks for letting us do some business thanks for letting us take care of a little bit of business 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 as you were saying to me the other day business is business yeah. <laughs> i forgot about business that one. is my business is what you were saying yes business is my business you're like yes this is a good saying business is my business and i was like yeah sean that's good i always come up with like a little just dumb things for us yeah business is my business means like uh be of the moment Oh my God. When we were on the hike the other day and we were talking about stuff or something and I said, no time like the present. And it just felt like so profound in that moment. I was like, that is something that people say all the time, have been saying it forever, but it's like, it's, it's simple. It is everything. No time like the present. I mean, I use it for like, get your shit done. Not in like a shamey kind of way, Mm. but like no time like the present to take care of whatever this thing is that you're thinking of. Right. So then you don't have to think about it. You're like, oh, this little angel whisper of an idea or a thought or a reminder. No time like the present, especially when it comes to watering your plants, because I'm so bad about that. But I, I, I think when it comes to watering yourself, you know, <laughs> no you like love talking about water and thinking about water and philosophizing about water. And I'm like, I drank a gallon while you were talking about going to find a glass to maybe have some water. You know, it's crazy. Your mom was like, we need to be drinking 64 ounces of water a day. And I was like, I definitely don't do that. Not even close. I'm like a 8 to 24 ounce girl. I bet you've had days where you don't even have that. 16 ounces? Yeah. If I get two solid glasses, I'm like, yeah, I did it. You need to get your ounces. It's hey, just no time like the that. present. Reach a watt for your water. Yeah. Yeah. Hydro homies. We're just here to remind you to drink water yeah. and land in the moment. Mm-hmm. We're just here. We're your co-captains. We're co-captains on... Co-piloting. Co-piloting. Yeah. It's, instead of being like a meditation, we're just like a, let's hang out and let's, yeah. let's talk about noticing 
the texture of your clothing and how your body is supported by the earth and mm. the nice feeling of air and mm. oh you're soothing me oh yeah yeah it's really nice so soothing and people love it what did, what did uh zoe called it bdsmr <laughs> oh yeah bdsmr i gotta work on my bdsmr <laughs> well, we're here we're we're uh we're still doing this thing in this wild world, in this tiny, ugly world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been having a lot of tiny, ugly world thoughts, and I'm sure a lot of other people have, too. Oh, God. It's I really feel for everyone, myself included. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? What's going on? What the fuck is going on? And why is it so fucked? <laughs> what and the heck is going on? Get me off. Yeah. I literally have been having a lot of get me off thoughts. I know. And it's and it's dark, and I'm like, if I'm having get me off thoughts, I can't imagine how uh, people who maybe don't have as much, you know, current blessings in their life or struggling a little bit more might be feeling sometimes. And it's it's can be tough because we're just uh, it's a lot of confrontational energy, and I think it's all for the betterment of our society and our life and of our world and our individual souls yeah and our in the growth of our individual souls we're being forced to to face unhealthy habits collectively unhealth and unkind ways of being and thoughtfulness and i mean that's like the gentlest way of saying it right we're gentle people and might as well <laughs> say it gently <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know have you been feeling have you been feeling that you i feel like we embody sometimes like it's like one of us needs to hold space and like a little bit of like idling on anxiety and one of us holds space and uh is this is my business so yeah it usually is like that yeah yeah and usually you're you're much more of like my my earth dragon mm, mm -hmm. but i think you uh yeah you had a great point the other night like basically what you were just saying you were like i'm so blessed and you went through all the reasons, like, and which is which is a great practice in itself. Like, here's a look how blessed I am. Boom, 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 boom. Just like right down the line, and you're like, I'm still fucked up. Yeah. I still barely want to participate in this fucking meat grinder of an economy, nasty, warring people. Just you know, it, it, you were Just getting really being bummed out, tricked and fooled, and misinformation and yeah. and anger and yeah. and other people having like such different ideas that you're like, are you insane to feel that way? That's it's super isolating. You're just like, is everyone fucking insane? Yeah. You're like, in order to feel this way, like that's probably the opposite of however you feel. You're like, they're insane because how you feel and how you feel about the world and how you see things are so obvious to you. You're like, you know. I see. I justify it. You justify I, what? However, someone's behaving or reacting. You know, I'm I'm much more interested in like how did you arrive at that than like judging it. Yeah, having compassion. I usually am. like wow, that's interesting. But I mean, we're all just like little apes running around doing our thing. It's just like oh wow, you think. You see this place completely opposite than me. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, no, it's, that's a good way to go about it. And I like, feel like I'm wow. usually like that, but I think there's still been the temptation or the seduction to be like very enraged at people because it feels like the stakes are even getting just higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it feels like people are getting uh, just more easily bamboozled than ever. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's probably because of our phones and, <laughs> and the internet and, you know, laptop computers and iPads and all this stuff. It's just like we're constantly staring at this thing that's connecting us to narratives that are so far outside of what we actually need to be uh, thinking about or worried about that it that it can really just it can take you far out like when you were saying all this stuff the other night you were saying it on the heels of like uh like a like a twitter hole you just went into a twitter hole like i'm not oh, on yeah. twitter I, right i haven't now. been on twitter this whole time and then you got off twitter and i'm like well i'll pick it up yeah yeah and and it's like one of us should be informed and, here and like i see you doing it like we just had such a great night and we watched kill tony and we laugh our asses off and we had sex a couple times and we had some good food some little snackies like things just are going great. well upstairs everything's quiet it's all good and it's and it's bedtime and you're like let me stare at my phone for an hour and most of the time when you're doing that i can trust uh that you're doing the right thing because you're laughing Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just cracking up, sending me stuff, you know, showing me videos and such. But you had that, like, concerned, uh, you know, like, uh, and going through and scrolling through. And you're just like, oh, fucking, I can't believe this. You know, that type of energy. And I'm like, oh, no. So, it's, I mean, like, it is self-inflicted in a way. It's, it's like you, 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 you tapped into a world of opinions and... Uh, you didn't have your macabre fully about you. No, it's it's been interesting to, because it feels feels important to know what's going on. It feels important to like make a difference by having the information sort of energy. But oftentimes I'm like, how am I making a difference though? But uh, beyond that, I'll just be like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't do this. Like I I really went into this weekend being like. I'm not going to look at my phone this weekend. Like, I'm going to take a break. And I, I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't know what happened. Every day, I'm like, I'm not going to. I, I, I got to put this thing away. I, I see you do it in the moment. You'll be, you'll, you know, we'll, we'll be driving or whatever. And you're sitting there. You're doing your thing. And you're, you're just like, oh, God, I got to stop looking at this thing. And you put it down. And it, like, 15 seconds will go by. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Wow. You do it too. You of do course, it too. yeah. But I don't. I, I don't have the like the self judgment about all the stuff. You yeah. know, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's a bad habit. Eventually, I'll take a look at that. But, um, yeah, it's just it's very interesting to me because it's like I just have you as this very small example, and like you're so grounded and not super reactionary and not easily uh, tricked or grifted. And no, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, it's uh. But I think we're, it's something we're all suffering from. It's a screen age wasteland. <laughs> yeah. A quote, an Ani DeFranco quote I used to have as a, ki- a kid on my wall, I w- I, or my um, door. My door was covered in all the stickers. Yeah. And hers was, uh, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And there's, like, some truth to that. But then there's also, like, is outrage the most, like, useful emotion to move forward and have a I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know the answers to these things. To me, not really. I don't know because because it, it has it has me in a in a state that kind of um, dampers my cognition. Well, <laughs> well, I will say that I've noticed since you've been less like invested in other narratives. Like it's you're a big energy in this house, obviously. Yeah. Um, and like the vibe is really good. Like the vibe is expanding to a better place and higher highs and 
Katie's been like having like this total laughing fits your sister. That's who, uh, the best thing ever. Yeah, needs constant care. So like, you know, you wa- we always are like we're always worried and thinking about Katie. And so when she's like just having laughing fits all the time, it's like, oh, stuff's good around here. Yeah. Things are going really good. That's what it's all about, you know. I always say like you have to in order to achieve laughter and and humor, you it, it takes a lot to get there. You have to have a lot of humility. You have to kind of be above all of the outrage and that kind of that that's why it's just like if you're not outraged you're not paying attention it's just like what and then it's like if you're outraged you've lost your compassion and we just need to to like invite people into like a a better way of relating with each other yeah yeah but caitlin my sister who has epilepsy who we we have to look after not have to we choose to we love doing it you know i i love anything that makes her life better makes me feel infinitely better it's it's crazy. I don't know how we weren't doing this sooner. I say that all the time. But um, she's not part of... Well, I guess she is. I was going to say, she she's kind of outside of the, the Screen Age wasteland. Yeah. And but, but she also uh, is somehow addicted well, to cable news. <laughs> well, well. She's somehow addicted to cable news. So, yeah. I, I don't know. And she and she has opinions that you're like, how did you know about this? And it's it's just crazy. It's it's just crazy. And uh, like I, I don't know. I I see like little examples here and there of like what it's doing to us overall. Like having a, just a perfectly tailored world that's right here starts to make a lot of the stuff that's out there um, not as useful to you, or so it seems. But I think that's an illusion. It's a consumption versus a creation loop. Mm-hmm. And this world is asking for us to create in a more sustainable way. Yeah. And it's really hard to do that and tend to ways to do that and have creativity for that mm-hmm. when you're in a scroll hole. Oh, yeah. Because you feel like, oh, well, I liked that tweet. I, I did something today, you know? I Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's why I had to delete Twitter. It's just like, there's nothing going on there except uh, unnecessary stress chemicals getting released through my body. Whether they're positive or negative. You know, people go on there and they say really nice things about us and send me nice notes and stuff. And that's sweet. But for all of the just useless, uninformed opinions I have to scroll through to get there and my view on humanity goes down. I don't want to have that. I want to hold a high view of humanity. We, When we were up in Noah's the other week, uh, he was showing us this vampire show. I don't remember the name of it. But uh, it's like a fake reality show about vampires. Yeah. But what we do in the shadows or something like that. Yeah. Um, but there's living with these vampires is this guy who's like an internet vampire yeah. And he goes through and he like sucks people's energy. He's an emotional vampire. He's an emotional va- vampire by like putting controversial comments on people's tweets and, and putting controversial comments. Cause you just think about those people who yeah. end up being vampires of your energy. And I, you know, there's a lot of people I really respect on Twitter and who, you know, are trying to disseminate uh, alternative news sources yeah. to the dominant one and stuff like that and i'm like wow thank god for you like what a blessing that you offer this and that we can see other sides to this story whatever the story is but i'm like the amount of vampires that they have to face on a daily basis i can't imagine what their life is 
they're, so tough. they're really on the fl- on the front lines of the of the culture war. Mm-hmm. Like people like like someone like Katie Halper. Yeah. It, it, she's a, she's always uh, you know flying in the face of the dominant news narrative and uh it, it's it's never been fun for her but she keeps doing it I guess. I don't know. I guess she makes a good living doing that but like she is you know she's the one that was like debunking Russia gate in real time. Imagine being that person. No, it's no. It it's be not fun. fun. No, not fun. It's at not all. fun. And and uh, uh, she's a Jewish person who has to say like, no, there's a genocide going on. It's been going on. Let's take a look at it. Let's free these people. That's not fun for her. I no. can't imagine. No. So I hope she has a good time on on uh, in real life. Yeah. Because I can't imagine. Like, I, my heart breaks when people say negative shit. Like, as much as I don't want it to affect me, and as much as, like, it overall really doesn't, I'm probably better than most people at handling that stuff. But every now and then, if I'm not in the best mood and, like, somebody wrote something literally to annoy you, it's just like. When I get out, of, when I see you in the morning typing what seems to be a paragraph, I'm like, oh no. Somebody left a fucking comment last <laughs> night. <laughs> You're like, I got, I got a bone. They're yeah. talking about how they want to bomb this place, like uh, talking about like Oxiana or something like. Yeah, that. yeah. No, people. People sometimes will just say the nastiest things, and for the most part, like hundreds of those comments will come in, and I'll be like, oh, well, whatever. It is what it is. But every now and then, so it, it's literally about the timing of how I'm feeling. It fucking somebody, this fucking dipshit wrote the other day uh, on Wooks, like interview more women, and. uh I was like, what the, who the hell is this person? Like, what are they talking about? Like, are you trying to be a feminist? Are you trying to like be some sort of white knight? Like, what is this? So like we went into a back and forth on there. I've never, I didn't even hear about this. So it's interesting you're saying that now. I don't even know. Yeah, we basically went into a back and forth about it. Um, But it was like, it just turns out this person was just like an edgelord, like just trying to get under my skin like but why like i just i can't relate with that type of person i'm just like why are you sitting here like i don't know i don't know any artists that leave negative internet comments Mm -hmm. because it's just like the the karmic charge of that would just be too much like i i can't imagine like being like this sucks you know what you should have done i'm 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 reeling from talking a little shit on uh dead and co the other day because there was some there was some uh some bite back to the and i'm glad it's important it's important to bite back when i just fucking talk off the hip because i heard someone else talking off of the hip about a movie i liked and they were like that movie sucked and i was like fuck you man that movie was awesome (laughs) not listening to anything you say anymore that was joe list the comedian yeah he was talking shit about the holdovers movie and uh, you overheard that, and you're like, fuck him. He shouldn't be saying that. His movie sucked. He, he's not allowed to say that other movie. And I'm like, Cass, he, he has a movie criticism podcast, and he just had a kid, and he probably slept for two hours and then went and saw this like long, slow movie. And like, like I started to give you a little you bit really of context. You really didn't want to feel like Joe List was off the table for listening to. I don't want to have a negative opinion about him. I want to be able to listen to it very lightly like I do. It's kind of like background music to me. And yeah, you know? I, I just he just hit me at the wrong time and then I just thought like, oh, that had happened and then I then I like kind of threw some shade at Dead and Co and I was like, I take it back. Throwing shade unnecessarily like it, I don't know. I, I just I'm I'm too superstitious. I'm I'm too superstitious. I'm I'm too aware of what goes in um to any piece of art that someone's made that you know about if they've publicly displayed it 
even if no one's seen it yet or whatever, the fact that they got to that place, I know what goes into that. And, uh, it's, it's hard for me to talk shit, especially on the internet where like, it's just going to be sitting there forever. So yeah, me and this girl, this is what happens though. When I go back and forth with somebody like, like that, you know, they're saying embarrassing things. I'm saying embarrassing things. I'm feeling like I'm making righteous points and blah, 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 all that stuff. But once we're done, I just delete the fucking thing. Cause I don't think either one of us want a record of that out there. Mm. There's no way to message people on YouTube. And if there was, I'd probably do a lot of like more of that type of thing. But I rarely engage with the comments. It's just, uh, when someone says something like that, I'm like, is, is this really, is this the, the feminism that makes you feel like you're doing good in this world? That, that women need more representation as drugged out wooks? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, that'll be wooks too. And that's, that's no, but, but this is what I'm saying no, about, I'm this is the, the screen age wasteland is like, people have just become like Pavlonian dogs. Like they, they just have their little, their, the, you know, their little tool belt of like, here's things I say when I feel this. And you know, it, it's just like, it's just becoming algorithmic, you know, oh, oh, that triggered this. I better say that I'm going to report that the, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's so lame. And you know what What else I think about? Like, we, we, we touched on this very briefly in the Zoe podcast. But, like, we have, we have so many friends that are, like, beautiful women. And some of them are on the dating scene. Some of them have, like, uh, you know, boyfriends or whatever. The amount of fucking beautiful women that are telling us that they can't get the kind of sex that they want or intimacy or attention or uh, disturbs the shit out of me. Um, I, I think something is going on that I can't really quite put my finger on and I don't know really what to blame, but, uh, I definitely think screen addictions uh, would be a huge factor in that. Don't you think? Like, what is that? Cause it shocks me every time we hear this and it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other. Yeah, I mean, that's not even to get into, like, the what dating apps are, what the, like, uh, gamification of dating has done. That's a huge part of it. Uh, well, I don't, oh, God, I wish I could remember what comedian the other day was saying. Some hot chick throws a bone to some ugly dude, and then he sets his bar like he'd always get a hot chick, but she was just horny, so she he's now rejecting all these girls that, like, would be more appropriate for him. Yeah. Because some hot chick was horny one night. No, these, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was really, it, I, the it, way she said it was funny. It was, it was a great bit. It was on a, it was a female comedian on Kill Tony. She said that in her one minute and I was like, that's a really actually a good bit if she builds it out a little bit more. But basically like what you were saying, is just like, yeah, hot chicks need sex too. And sometimes they have, you know, those nights where they're just like, fuck it, I'll just let this guy get in there. And then these very mediocre guys, and this is, she's talking about New York City. Because there's so many more guys than girls. So these very mediocre guys are out there. You mean there's so many more girls than guys? Or? There's so many more girls than guys. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, thank you for correcting that. Uh, that, yeah, it, like these these dudes get deluded and they think that they're in a different league than they are. Yeah, then they like and won't they, they settle down pe- with a girl. They won't everyone. settle down, yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, I could do better because there's that hot chick I fucked that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It becomes like Pokemon. Damn, out there hunting Pokemon like a fool. Yeah. Letting beautiful babies slip by, the slip by or go unsatisfied or like, God, it's just, 
it breaks my heart. You're like, yeah. the real problem. We're like talking about big problems. You're like, the real problem is these girls who are not getting properly laid. I think it is a big problem, you know? <laughs> like, we can make all of our issues about, like, all this other, like, nuanced, complex stuff and, you know, but, like, there's also, like, primal stuff that mm-hmm. if it's not taken care of, society starts to go a little haywire. Yeah, no, I yeah. think, I think, uh, yeah, luckily I don't have that problem right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But something's happening to us. I don't know what it is. It seems like we're we're just becoming more individualized. and uh, We all have a front row seat. So we might as well engage, do our part, and watch the show and, and be part of it and realize we're creators of our own reality and that we have... Uh, that life is something that we're that comes out of us that's not happening to us so I don't know we can just try to remind ourselves to be in empowered positions through life you know and how we see the universe and how we relate to people and ourselves and everything and and have fun with it you know Mm -hmm. and hold a high bar for how we love people how we connect with people how we want um to express ourselves and and I don't know. I think like um like we were watching this documentary about Little Richard the other day. Great um great story. I'm I'm glad I'm really glad that we watched yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't really know. I knew he was pretty like flamboyant, I guess, but I didn't really know the the whole story and the origin story and I and how he yeah, well. Well, I mean, uh, just to to bring his story to um the point we're trying to make like you know, this is a guy that came up in like the forties, fifties and sixties and like, uh, became a superstar, you know, one of the OG superstars of rock and roll. Oh yeah. One of the original, like five people that like really invented rock and roll. And he struggled his whole life with, um, his identity and his sexuality and really just more the way he wanted to be perceived by the public. And, uh, you watch this film and it's just like the back and forth of like, I'm an out flamboyant gay man who does drugs and has sex orgies and is crazy rock and roller. And to like, no, I'm a, I'm an ordained minister. I'm a man of God. I reject all that stuff. I'm straight. I'm not gay. Um, just be huge swings between those two throughout the life based on like, um, the way the public was perceiving and reacting to him. Or he was perceiving and reacting to himself in yeah, a way. Like. Yeah, but but, but in, in the point I'm trying to make is um, that used to be a problem only famous people would have. Mm-hmm. And I think with the ubiquity of social media, now everyone kind of has that. You got to manage your brand. Yeah, yeah. And we're all becoming brands individually. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. So your identity, your sexuality, your gender identity is like, yeah, it's it, all it, very public. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. And sometimes when you feel like it's not public, sometimes it's because so much of the currency of life happens in that social media world. You can feel like, whoa, am I even part of this world? You know. Mm, you are. Yeah, no, you definitely are. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying, whatever. I think I do think people are afflicted. That is an affliction, though, of of not of like stepping away from social media and then feeling like they're like a little bit of FOMO or 
not being seen and we all want to be seen and loved. My dad's never been on social media. Yeah. And he lives his life in a perpetual state like he's missing out on something. He doesn't even know what social media is or what people are doing on the internet or or anything like that. But he he carries it as a big weight that he doesn't feel as like in the know as other people. And uh, it's it's a strange thing. You know, we all, it's a very human thing to want to feel seen, heard and accepted, validated. And now we have lots of tools to do that. And I think some people really binge on that, like ourselves who put out podcasts and films and Yeah, guilty as charged. And shorts right? and all this stuff. We stop short of like uh like excessive selfieism. We were just too old for that shit. <laughs> we're too old for that shit. <laughs> I don't have enough good angles. No. <laughs> I think every angle is good on you. The angle we shoot this podcast at is is my like worst. What? It's, yeah, I, I I clicked on one of our podcasts the other day, and I was like, man, the way we do this, like, I'm literally, I'm just profiled to you, and like, I'm like, I've got my eyes turned towards you. So it's just like, the, it's a, I don't know. If I thought about it, it could make me self conscious. But you're crazy. I'm handsome. I can handle it. So I, so what mm-hmm. I loved about the Little Richard documentary on HBO or Max or whatever the fuck um is you know he's a young rock star but he really had to fight for his space and recognition like to get on the radio shows to get an album like seeing him be his number one hype man yeah you know and it was like it's kind of like what we've always said what has been said no one's out there looking for you you gotta advocate for yourself and uh so to see little richard the inventor of rock and roll a superstar you know have his career start by like annoying people at uh yeah. record companies yeah. like literally just pestering them till they gave him like till they well, saw him because yeah, because his talent was undeniable all the record companies knew about it they were just like skittish uh because it was new it, it sounded different and uh that's how he got his first record deal yeah and then they made him he just hounded them and, and they were like fine whatever but then they made him like sing like uh ray charles and yeah. all that stuff and then he went to a bar and in the middle of like at a lunch of like recording an album and like broke out and did uh tutti frutti or something tutti frutti good booty tutti that's frutti, the original lyrics good booty. yeah the original the, the much gayer lyrics that they that they made him sanitize i uh, know it was so interesting to see like all the um drag performers back in that day and then his like friends who um are transgender and all that stuff and that you know all this territory that played around and how how um you know how people who were on the gender spectrum like had to go to this like extreme performance art space they had to what was called the chitlin circuit mm-hmm. you know they they literally had to go like be part of the circus yeah in order to be themselves and that's how he got into like playing around with drag and just really embracing his his feminine qualities he was such a beautiful person too so crazy the Go like that. He would, you know, get he'd basically do too much coke and get scared and be like, "I'm straight again." I guess this is horrible. Oh my god! Yeah, they they don't really say that in the movie, but it's clear to anyone watching that's like done drugs or been around drugs. Like, yeah, he would he would take it too far. Probably not drink water, miss many (laughs) nights of sleep, have fucking crazy ass orgies with you know, and you know, just and then he would do too much coke and get spooked and get super paranoid and retreat back into being a man of God. Yeah. To the point where he's like, I make devil music because when he would perform, it was so rowdy that people would destroy uh, the theater. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like I, uh, it was almost surprising that he was able to like have those realizations and just not instead of pull it back, just be like, I'm out. Yeah. What I do is devil music. Meanwhile, he had the support of his mom. His dad had finally supported him and then he passed away and like, yeah, he had the support of his family, but still to, I mean, I guess when you're Southern Baptist, was that what he was? Well, whatever. It's religious in the South. Who, yeah. You know, you just, there's a lot of, and not, and he married women. Yeah. And I mean, that might have to do with gay marriage not being legal, but it didn't even seem like there was like a man, a love of his life that was a man. No, they, or at least not somebody that was willing to like come forward. I gotta pee. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. Okay. We're talking literal Richard. We're talking the origins of rock and roll, baby. Did you know about much about Little Richard before we watched that? No, not really. I mean, no. He was a mainstay in culture when I was coming up. He would be. He he just just tons. Of, he was just like a celebrity. Yeah. Like tons of late night appearances, game show appearances. Like he was just like a celebrity that would appear a lot. Yeah, like I knew him as like older guy who like. Mad props, kind of like, you know, just, yeah, yeah, a new, like, respect. Yeah. But beyond that, I wasn't, I didn't really know that much. Um, So to see his, his origin story was very inspiring and interesting, to say the least. One of 12 kids. Mm-hmm. And was obviously flamboyantly gay from a young age, and his dad did not like that. And the story as old as his time is getting screwed by the record company and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, story as old as time is uh, things that become extremely popular in culture were stolen from gay and black people, mm-hmm. in this case both, right? and uh, made popular and they don't get their due. And what's, what's, what sucks for little Richard and what's so embarrassing is like pretty much every public appearance he made after like 1985, maybe even earlier, he just had to like tell the story about he was the guy that invented rock and roll. I know, I feel so bad and that he, he had he was to... there with the Beatles and he was there with the Stones. He showed them their moves. He sh- taught them how to sing and like... You know, at, you know, at the beginning... It sucks when you have to do that for yourself. At the beginning, him being a hype man was like super admirable. Yeah. And then by the end, he's being his number one hype man. I'm like, God it's damn sad. it. What the fuck? Fuck us. Fuck people. I know. You know, having... I mean, I guess there's part of like appealing to white culture because like it's at, especially in the 50s, 60s, it was like a predominantly like the p- number of white people compared to black people. They're just a bigger consumer base. Yeah. But still like to have his song and then be like, we're threatened by him. Um, so we need Elvis to sing this song. Pat which, Boone is the one that made Tutti Frutti a hit. Which is it's such so, a sad, it, it, pathetic excuse for a cover of that yeah, song. Yeah, it really is. But then what actually was interesting was to see that him being flamboyant ended up allowing him to be considered safe for being in these spaces, like these white spaces, because they weren't worried about him having, like the, stealing the, the women. biggest sin would be, you know, yeah. him stealing the women he or was, whatever. He, he was so over the top and obviously gay that that homophobic people were like not even threatened by him he, he, he was such an anomaly that that it was just like oh yeah sure or racist whatever. people especially yeah. yeah 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 no it's and it's just uh, i think watching all these stories about are important to see where 
our, you know, we know this about how our culture and the U.S. has been so racist, but to like see it through music and see that, okay, there were black nights and there were white nights. And then it's like the only way that integration really started to happen is that Little Richard was so amazing that the white kids started coming to the black nights. Yeah. And then the white kids would sit in the back and then they'd be like, fuck this, we're going in. And then they're like in love with Little Richard. So they're not like threatened by other um black people they're just yeah. like they're having a great time and the the music is a great time so he i think in a way did more for like civil rights civil rights in a way than i mean he just he's like i think it's he's it's worth saying what a prominent figure he was in the evolution of civil rights yeah because oh, of yeah. his music bringing people together absolutely and you know uh, we we have this because in this house we debate a lot about you know the state of the world and the shape we're in and what are people going to do and i couldn't even think of what a kid would what i'd encourage a kid to do and i always just come back to the same thing which is make art you know it's it'll it'll sustain your soul it'll make you want to be on this planet you'll be creating it's not hurting anyone and you can change the world you have more of a chance of changing the world with a piece of art than with a vote or a tweet or whatever. Well, you know, so, you know, like this is like it's a it's a great example because I use it all the time, but uh, you know, it's, it's just like that's what people should do. If you want to change the world, see the world in an interesting way, hold space in that and make art about it. And that's what little Richard did, and like you're saying, he's a civil rights hero for that. Mm-hmm. And there's many others, obviously. Did you know one of the highest concentrations of artists, and I'm sure it's not the case anymore since it's starting to cease to exist, is Palestine as far as the amount of artists per cap, like per people? <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something about this continued death rattle, last gasp of Western imperialism will probably make great artists out of a lot of Hopefully Americans. this is the last <laughs> gasp. You yeah. Know? Hopefully we don't look back at this and be like, oh, yeah. That's when America really fucking took over tenfold or whatever yeah yeah but uh, yeah it just it, i can't stress that enough and it's and it seems like uh like almost like a glib thing to say in the face of everything that we're all seeing on the news but it's not it's not it's how you brighten the world yeah it's no. how you let your soul shine I if mean, more people an, let their soul shine we would understand each other more being an artist isn't easy and i think no you know I also understand that this time in life isn't easy and we need to s- figure out how to like also support ourselves and be sustainable. So, uh, you know, being an artist doesn't mean that you can't have a job or a career or yeah. whatever. I'm not saying quit anything. I'm not saying, you know, you, you don't want to conflate those two. And I think that there's a reason people conflate those is because that's what's handed down upon us. Like, don't make art, be productive, do this and that. And it's like, you know, you could do both, you know. You can go be a union plumber, which would be a great job to have these days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, make art on the side and get your voice out there. And, hey, if it starts making money, great. Yeah, quit your job then. But that's what happened to me. Like, I saw a path where I could be a filmmaker. And I was like, I have to leave the the day job behind. And uh, And then you still... I still worked. Of course, I still work, you know. But I saw a path where if I freed up a lot more of my time I could do this in a way and make a go at it before I had responsibilities I'm glad I did that 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because having the goal of making your art sustain you is kind of like, it's a dance that is kind of forever. And it's not like, oh. Yeah, it's not something you figure out before you start the thing. It's like something you're constantly figuring out. And then even once you figure out, it's like, okay, you still might need to go back and have a job or do this and have a job. Like, we're working, we're figuring it out, you know. We sell things. Yeah, if you want to support us. (laughs) Yeah. Link in the (laughs) description. Ask us what we have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know. I'm working with Katie and stuff like that. Like there are different ways of, you know, and we, we're trying to get commercial work. We're building up, we're using our art to, in a way that's like, okay, what kind of art would we want to create that could have commercial viability mm-hmm. and always being creative and understanding what the market is and, and playing to it in a way that is ideally more and more with our integrity. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think uh, what, what we all do is art you know like being a plumber can be artful in how you do it even so and that what i was saying the other day to someone zeph stroud out um shout out to my man zeph yeah we love you god um what a sweet soul but I, i i said this and i was like this really makes a lot of sense to me that like even when you're not in the act of creating you are an artist because you're you're observing and you're seeing stuff and you're like you're saying having an an opinion that you can then do something with. So I feel like too often we're like beating ourselves up for like not being pen to paper. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope we don't contribute to that with some of our rhetoric, but like, you know, an example like, like Zeph, he's a, he's a really young guy. He's, he's very young. And, uh, he's like, he's like saying, he's like, I just feel like I'm not doing the thing, you know, I'm working at a factory and it's taking up so much of my time. The just the, the act of surviving this and that. And, um, he's so young, so it's, it's, it's myopic and it's his life. So it's, you know, it's hard to see, but like from my stance on it, I'm like, damn, this is such an epic origin story. Yeah. This is fucking incredible when you are killing it on all fronts. And when you're a musician or an artist or whatever it is you end up doing and getting your vibration heard, it's going to be that it's going to hit that much more. I mean, that's that real shit. Yeah. No, like that's you worked real. at a deli. I worked at restaurants. Uh, Working at that deli made me who I am. It made me interface with people in a different way. It made me see people in a different way. It made me realize how much I can change the vibe. Someone could come in in a shitty place and I could play a little trick on them. And we could both be laughing. Like It taught me so much. Working long hours, being exhausted, you know, grinding, trying to figure this thing out, taught me so much about how I didn't want to have to operate in the world. And it taught me so much about um, work ethic and focus and all this stuff. And I think working in a factory is nothing to be ashamed of. It yeah. actually sounds like not that bad of a job. Well, <laughs> you don't know what someone's doing, but no, like, I think uh, there's more and more taking advantage of people and yeah, being no, more know. oppressive about bathroom breaks. And it, it's like no, that's it what sucks. We, everyone's having to fight. We're at like starting from square one again about having to fight for rights and fight for humane working conditions and humane hours and humane yeah. wages and all this stuff. And there needs to be a lot of forward momentum. But yeah, there's no shame. Like I was just I, what pops up is like. Kurt Vile used to like operate the forklift at the brewery and stuff like yeah, that. Like everyone, yeah. especially, and even as you get older, you know, I think of, um, who is it? Link Ray or who? No, not Link Ray. What am I thinking of? Uh, Sugar Man? Sugar Gay? Sugar Gay. Who no. are you talking about? Oh, 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 uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. R.I.P. Recently died. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was just like a working class dude. He didn't even know he was like beyond famous in South America, like the Beatles down there. Uh, yeah that's a searching for sugar man that's a good story yeah 
And I think we're just all searching for the most useful way to serve our community and people. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. I think, I think that's why like music, like, uh, like Bruce Springsteen speaks to so many people because like he's, he's speaking from a place that it's just like, wow, that sounds like my life. That sounds like something I've been through. Like I, I know when I was the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan was when I was in the most grind of work in my life. Yeah. Multiple jobs running around, you know, working at the deli and multiple internships in the city and, and all this stuff. And just like listening to Bruce Springsteen sing about people struggling to keep it going and, you know, struggling to transcend the, the small town attitude towards life and go on to bigger and better things. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I like, I, I know Zeph, so I know he's going to be fine. But it's just hard to impart that on somebody. Like, yo, dude, just keep doing it. You're well, going to be you're gonna be fine. It's going to be awesome. When I was scared at 24 and 22 and all those ages, not knowing what I even, I mean, I didn't even know what I wanted to do, let alone, like, have a vision for it. My mom was like, I, my mom would always be like, I didn't even know that my job existed at your age. I, I love that you're saying that because, like, that would be my message to anyone below the age of 30 yeah life is long yeah, i mean plenty I of time to figure out what you like doing that's gonna change a lot i think it's ageless all i'm saying is 18 to 25 year olds or beyond like don't worry too much about it the world is changing so fast everything's happening so fast don't there's just no hill worth dying on when it comes to like a career or this or that like embrace this time in your life where you don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to. You really don't have to have it figured out at that age. Fuck around. Find out. Do things. Make mistakes. Like, to me, that's what that age was. Yeah. I My mean, whole 20s was that. Like, make mistakes. Try things. You know? Yeah. Fuck up a little bit. I was grinding my way up the produ- producer ladder, you know, from office PA to office PA to coordinator to production manager to producer to now executive, executive producer. producer and now i still do all those freaking jobs you know i just do them yep. for myself so yeah. that's kind of what it even means like you kind of always have to go to a, like a corporate space to like kind of see the territory yeah and then you know well that narrative of like figure it out figure out what is it you want to do and like really like putting all that pressure on 17 18 year olds who are like about to go into college and it's like figure out your major and what you want to do and it's just like those are big decisions, especially nowadays. You know, when our parents were coming up, college cost $2,000. So it was like, oh, oh, well, I don't like being a psychologist anymore. I'll go for this. Nowadays, that decision you make when you're 17, 18, if you have to go to a four-year school for it, you're coming out on the other end with $200,000 worth of debt. You have to go into that profession. You know, that's a bit like to me, that's like take that pressure off yourself. And I feel like one of the ways of taking that pressure off yourself is like, I'm an artist and I'm going to have a different bunch of different kinds of jobs maybe throughout my life to sustain that. Hopefully my art will eventually sustain me. But I, my, my career is I'm an artist and then there's jobs mm-hmm. and there's things you do and do anything in your fucking power to not get caught up in uh, a, a big amount of debt because uh, that's, what, that's what seems to be tying people up. Yeah. If you can avoid that huge chunk of debt that comes with a bullshit four-year university education in America, you should avoid that. 
I'm grateful that I don't have debt. And I, if you and I had college debt, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. Yeah. We would have a bill every month that was something that we would have to pay. We don't have any bills that like we have to pay, really. Well, yeah, wait, there's, you know. But that's a big one. That's a big that's one. That's a big one. That's like fucking a rent size, like, chunk every month. And we would have to do things that we don't want to do. It's not like we don't, we, we still do have to do things we don't want to do, but that's a big one that we relieved ourselves from. For me, by commuting to college and working at the deli and getting full scholarship. I fucking had to grind to figure out how to get a scholarship. I had to live in Florida to get that scholarship. They don't yeah. give that shit out up here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But you, you got to do what you got to do to like pursue the thing that you love, which is making art and uh, sustaining yourself. And don't get too caught up. Don't like, don't get too caught up. Just one brick at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Just build this thing. I mean... I don't know anyone who has it all figured out, you know, at any age. I know very beautiful, successful people who are as con- are, have had successful careers, have done the whole thing, and they're confused as ever because it's, confu- it's a confusing time. It's like the nature of the beast almost right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if that'll let up, so we might as well enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But, it, I mean, it also it has, be- because of social media and everything, it's like... Uh, I think our anxieties are all a little bit more because we're, you know, we're in competition with each other. We're in a comparison culture and now we can see what everyone's doing and everybody is posting online their best lives and their best selves. And uh, so we kind of have a fucked up vision for how good people are doing. And I think it's good that we remind people like we're holding it together, but we're not doing that great. We don't really know anyone that's doing that great actually we know a lot of people that are in the struggle like all right so we're all in the struggle let's have a good time (laughs) let's have a good time let's not take all the things that put us all in the struggle as seriously because like to me that makes me feel better it was like when the when the um the quarantine first happened i kind of like felt like normal or relieved or whatever i was just like oh we're all in this together it's not like this is just happening to me otherwise it would have felt like i got fired or something you know like that like oh god we're not doing anything we're not making money we're not able to make it wasn't just happening to us it was happening to everyone so there was something like very like yeah we're like oh the thing stopped we're back technical difficulties would you call it thank god i put this little mirror up so when i look i can notice if it stopped yeah no the technical difficulty is like I guess we're shooting these in 4K, so we have to be, like, religious about deleting previous episodes. Would you ever want to get this to uh, this podcast to a place that's, like, where we had somebody that was, like, a pr- off-camera producer, like, sitting over there, like, making sure everything's good, looking stuff up for us? We could ask them questions, They're, you know. I mean, I used to have that dream, like, you know, but yeah. now I don't really spend time dreaming about things like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's me thinking small. We have this conversation between us all the time. Like, you're thinking too small. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, contracting. If, if, I, if I hear you repeat certain things or say certain things a certain amount of times, I'm like, it just, it triggers my natural immunity of just like, hey, making sure we're not shrinking our life around uh, your weird self-conscious inner monologue. Like, can you just say what you're self-conscious about so we could, like, move that energy and not shrink our life? Mm-hmm. What was the question? Huh? <laughs> you brought it up. The words you make make a difference, I think. Like we were saying about liquid death, you know. 
the the universe responds. You're you're casting spells, spelling. Spelling. Yeah, you're casting spells. So when I hear language coming from you, that sounds like it's coming from a core belief that we should be getting smaller, or that we should be self-conscious. Oh, because yeah, because you were asking anyway. me if I should, we should, if I dream of having a producer. I mean, yeah, I would love for someone to tell me what to think about and talk about and like have to. I loved when Mare was on the podcast. It felt like, oh, okay, well, less work for me, you know. So, and yeah, I mean, I've just come to the place where I'm embracing what we do and I'm trying to uh, have both feet in it. You know, I think for a while I've had like one foot out the door, kind of not, not out the door, like I'm going anywhere, but one foot like not fully committed like this is this thing that sean makes me do and i do it yeah 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 and i'm like this is this thing i do and i'm gonna do it yeah and i'm gonna try to soon do it. you'll get to the place where you're like this is this thing i'm really good at we yeah, have maybe one loyal day, listeners and i like doing it yeah and also like not have not wanting to feel shame around i mean i'm not I don't, I'm not like, I don't judge it in a way of like, oh, we don't have X amount of listeners, like, because the idea of having more listeners scares me, you know what I mean? So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that's like, is that fear? I don't know. But yeah, of course, a producer would be awesome. But at the same time, I love, maybe it's my instinct to shrink, but I love the freedom that we have. Even when we were with someone else or with whoever, it's like, getting two people on the same page is hard enough yeah yeah three just you add more to it and i guess and then it's like okay we have to wait till this person is available to come over and like the fact that we can do this ourselves is makes me feel like the pipeline to idea to creation to release is like we're making that pipeline as small as possible oh yeah otherwise we wouldn't still be doing the podcast yeah definitely not yeah and same with our movies and um trying to like streamline stuff so that there's not a big gap between our ability to make documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we make documentaries. We love making documentaries. Yeah. Of course. It's our calling. Of course. Having talented cinematographers is a huge plus. Yeah. But are they available? Will they work for the budgets we have? Usually not. Are we going to let that be the reason we don't make art? You know, and that's why it's I've like, been tempted a couple times, obviously. You know, but my higher self says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, it's it's because it's such it, it, it feels good to give up and to ca- it catastrophize. I don't know if that if you ever get like that, but I don't maybe I don't feel as like in. It feels no. good. I'm just telling you when you put all the pressure in the world for 20 years on yourself to like make film, be a filmmaker, make films, make films that make a difference that people connect with and want to share. And all you need to do that is like a team of people that are willing to do it. And one of the people in the team drops off the cinematographer. It's very easy to catastrophize for me and be like, Oh, fuck it. This is hard enough to do to begin with. It's hard enough to build and sustain. Like, yeah, I guess I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. but uh, we're not allowing ourselves to do that. Well, so this podcast often ends up being the documentary Sean Cass have watched, but I, this is what this is reminding me of. We're filmmakers. We we do a lot of research. Yeah, we do a lot of research. We watch the documentaries that come out and we say what's going on, and uh, stylistically they suck royal dick, um, but some good important stories are getting told. 
Yeah, and, and, and documentaries we wouldn't even want to do. Like, I don't want to yes. tell Little Richard's story. Not because I, no. I just we're not the people to do that. No, it's. Um, I, I think we would be good at doing that kind of thing. It's just like it would really have to be an artist we are completely head over heels for. Oh, I have no doubt that. Yeah. It would be done very well and interesting and different. But it's like you're kind of glad that there's the Alex Gibneys who like. Yeah. Have that formula for getting as much information across entertainingly as possible yeah yeah. anyway that what you're talking about reminds me of this is now a few weeks ago but we watched uh the stallone documentary rock um sylvester stallone sylvester stallone what is that documentary called i don't know it's probably just called stallone yeah or sly or something like that i think it's called sly maybe anyway what what inspired me about it his story as an artist very inspiring actually very inspiring highly recommend was um i mean he became like one of the biggest stars of the 90s and like one of the only actors to be in like multiple franchises and to write and direct and everything that he did is just like almost unfathomable the success and highs he won an oscar yeah insane for rocky insane but the thing that i didn't realize about rocky is that he was an actor and he, because he's a weirdo looking guy, can we call him that? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, a, yeah. got a very unique look. He's got a u- unique look. People didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, so he ended up being like the heel and something or whatever, some weird character. And he wanted to be the star. Yes. And so he would take screenplays and rewrite them. Yep. And he wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote a story for himself, Rocky. Yep. And then he sold Rocky somehow Mm because he knew the right person at the right time, whatever it is. Great script. Great script. And they were like, yes, we want this, but you are not the lead man. You're not going to have anything to do with this. I don't even know if it was like nothing to do with it. It was just like, you can't be the star. They weren't going to let him direct it either. Okay. Trust me. I don't know. I don't remember that part. Even more so, they probably put their foot down about that. I don't know. Yeah, but what they talked about is that they wouldn't let him be the actor. Mm -hmm. And so he had an opportunity to take lots of money and get his idea made or hold his ground and potentially risk this project fading into obscurity and never coming to fruition. Which happens. Which happens all the time. It's amazing anything gets made with the amount of decisions that required to even do anything in this life. Um, Anyway, he stood his ground and was like, this is my chance. Like, this is my chance. And uh, somehow the stars aligned and he got to be the guy in it by holding his ground. And look at what happened. I mean, look at what happened. Talk about being your number one fan, your number one hype man. You're not, you have to believe in yourself in order for other people to believe in you. Yeah. And he literally, literally wrote his own destiny. Yeah. In one of the most like American stories there are probably. Yeah. It's so epic. He's the fucking man. He's the fucking man. And, uh, you know, had a shitty upbringing, really tough upbringing. His dad fucking used to beat on him and shit. And, uh, yeah, he was just like an obscure character actor. You know, you wouldn't even notice. He was in like maybe eight or ten things before Rocky, but no leading roles. Like mm-hmm. just the side. And then all of a sudden he's the star of this movie that actually 
was good and he wrote and directed it and it just it right out of the gate became a hit and he said his whole life changed the day that that premiered mm-hmm. so crazy yeah he's the he's the man yeah and then he had like highs and lows and he was persistent like even getting to the place of rocky four rocky five being a thing yeah was like a lot of like highs and lows like god the drama of being a human but then the accentuated drama of being like a highly public human where a lot of people either put a lot of faith in you or put you on a pedestal or then you know have really intense judgments of Mm. how you should do things or yeah it's crazy yeah yeah i i and he's still at it he's still doing it i mean right now he's like doing a family reality show which i can't bring myself to yeah watch, but he's but... also like in the expendables four and like yeah, he, yeah. he's he's had uh multiple he had rocky rambo and the expendables like three huge franchises and he's in creed does he have anything to do with creed obviously creed yeah obviously yeah he's in those movies and he and... did that movie where he fights robert de niro He's done so many movies. Obviously. Most of them are terrible. Most of them are terrible. But, uh, you know. It, oh, and it, if you want to feel better about your life, I guess, watch that movie, too. Be, slide, too. Because, like, he had so many flops where it's like, my career's over, you know. Oh, and Hollywood turns their back on you. Oh, brutal. It's a, it, it's, it's a great it's a great thing to know like the origin story of like a guy like that to know and same thing with little Richard and like we could name countless other people like help was not on the way no one was looking for them Hollywood wasn't knocking their door down they were knocking Hollywood's door down Mm -hmm. they were saying I'm undeniable I'm I need to be heard I need to be seen and uh, they had to fight to get there and not only did they have to fight to get there they had to fight to stay there yeah because exactly. this thing is always looking to shit you out. Mm-hmm. It's always looking to say like, okay, cool, we're done with you. That's that's enough of you. And you have to really fight to uh, to stay in there. And we just watched a great movie a couple nights ago called Chameleon Street from 1989. And it was, uh, it's a true story about a like a scam artist from Detroit from like the 60s and 70s who <laughs> just would he was just a con artist he just faked his way into multiple situations it was like a catch me if you can situation before that movie existed um but like he pretended to be uh, a sports journalist and got to interview all these people he pretended to be a yale student and got involved with like their student body there he pretended to be a doctor a surgeon and performed 36 successful hysterectomies Jesus Christ. Yeah, and ended up getting caught doing that and went to jail, escaped from prison, came out and faked his way into being like a high-powered lawyer. He was just he was just like a, he was a chameleon. And so um this this black dude, um Wendell Harris Jr. Wendell Wendell Harris Jr. um found out about this story and like interviewed the guy in prison for for 3 years and wrote this script and borrowed money from his family. And got this movie made, and it's just like stylistically, like it's it's awesome. It's, it's just awesome, a, it's yeah. just a cool movie, and you're like, I was like, we're watching, and I'm like, how have I never heard of this? Like, who, where this this actor is? You know, he wrote, directed, and acted in it, like Rocky. And I'm like, where is this guy? How come we never saw him again? And then you realize, like, uh, he charged the movie up with so much um, race commentary. Mm-hmm 
that Hollywood was just like, we want to have nothing to do with you. So the movie, it won Sundance mm-hmm. and didn't get any offers for distribution. Nope. Eventually, Warner Brothers picked it up as they said, we'll buy this, but we're not going to distribute the movie. We're buying the rights to remake it. And they're mm-hmm. like, we'll make the proper version of this with like Will Smith and uh, just never got made. And this guy, no one's ever heard of him. That was his one movie. He made it in 1989 and then for 30 years tried to get it seen and finally got a release in 2021. It just wallowed in obscurity till 2021. It still is in obscurity. Yeah. But this guy's whole career was fighting to get that movie seen and distributed and other projects he had. And he had some close calls with getting like back in with Hollywood and it just didn't work out. It's so heartbreaking. and uh, It's a bummer because he would have made some really incredible movies. His social commentary. Like he took that, like what's already a really cool story and made it into like really amazing satire and social commentary. I highly recommend this movie, Chameleon Street. It's on the Criterion channel right now. A lot uh, of good stuff on there. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. But, um, you know, you, you it, it's not something you ever get on the other side of. As as people that have made a bunch of movies and put out a bunch of podcasts, and it's never something you ever feel like you're on the other side of, and and so when you embrace that part, that that fight part of being an artist, like it's cool, it's cool. You just get down with it. You just like it, every time it's starting over. You know, we're making a movie right now. It feels like we're starting over. We're learning how to use the camera. We're going to learn how to figure out who the audience is for this and how to get it distributed properly. And like, it's just literally every movie feels like a completely like you can't rely on what you've done in the past no, because no one cares. Also, because we're we're changing. We're and we're like, I don't This sounds weird to take like pride in not being darlings of Hollywood. But when you see who is and what kind of movies are being made, you're like, ugh. Who would like you sell your soul? It's, it's I mean, I don't want to have like negative thoughts and be thinking small, but. I'm just like I, I literally couldn't be Well, what concerns me is when you're like I don't I don't want a big audience on the podcast and I'm like yeah, I mean it's not my big concern but why don't you want that? Like what's the difference? Like I I am curious. I genuinely am asking you like when when you get spooked about like oh, what if we had a 50,000 people watching Cuz that's every when episode? the vampires come. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's true. They want a little piece of your energy, you know, make you feel bad, whatever. I don't, I don't need that. If I were to think about it for a second, I guess. <laughs> but the movies you're confident in, you want millions of people to see them. Of course. <coughs> and that's why I'm so grateful to people who share their likeness with us so that we can share the essence of who they are and their story and like how generous that is. That it's, it's, uh, it blows me away every time I think about it. Mm-hmm. The level of generosity and ease. It, we've never had to convince anyone yeah. to be in our movie or to, uh, we meet the right people at the right time. Yeah. It it's, 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 it's very groovy. Yeah. Yeah, you get into a groove with people and it's like you've been here before, been here forever. Like rad, we're doing the thing again. Mhm. And it's very magical and uh I don't take it for granted and it's like literally why we have a spiritual life. Is to try to sustain this in a more interesting way. Is to try to keep doing this cuz uh 
like we've seen and talked about with countless examples, help is not on the way. And that's a relief. That's a relief. Like this is on us. Yeah, you write this your own destiny. You. Yeah, yeah. Wh- whatever it is you're thinking about doing, whatever plans you're hatching up, it's on you. However like, big or small you want to make those. Yeah, and assume no one's going to care. And they won't. They won't at first. But then you become undeniable and uh, you keep doing it. And hopefully you find your audience and you find your voice. And there's no more beautiful life that I could imagine for anybody than getting to experience that. Some of the glory, yeah. Some of the glory we've tasted, like when you when you put out a movie, and it's just like, wow, they're getting it. They're they're passing it around. Well, it's a it's a loop that gets completed. Yeah, it's a circuit, and I'm sure that's how musicians feel when someone appreciates their album or their song or whatever. Yeah, because you allow someone the opportunity to feel something bigger than themselves, or relate to you, or relate to the person that they're listening to or talking to or whatever it is and and then we all become a little more human in the process well this was a damn pleasure yeah a lot of fun i appreciate you buy our shirts where can people buy our shirts and our sweaters and our hats churchofchill.etsy.com and uh yeah, Patreon, there's some discount codes. If you've previously bought a shirt, I emailed you another discount code that's even higher. Yeah. And, yeah, we really appreciate your support. Um, yeah, please join the Patreon. It's a lot of fun. We're putting a lot of cool little podcasts. A, a lot. We've been having guests on more lately, and so we just have these conversations on the Patreon. But there's tons there to go through. Yeah, when I think of, like, a green pasture of the Screen Age wasteland, I think of Discord. Because yes. it's not like a, it's like a kind, supportive environment that you're not scrolling through ads or bullshit or whatever it is. Like, it's a green pasture of like, it's a digital bonfire that we have always burning, smoldering at the very least. And you can come in and throw a log in and other people yeah. can pick that up. I don't think screens are inherently bad. I think they're they're just part of our technological advancement. They're going to become more and more part of our life. I think it's uh, the insidious corporate commodification of anything um of your intention yeah yeah and and what it does to people and the negativity that it sparks and um just all the fucking nonsense you know that uh, like i don't think it's inherently bad i don't think technology is bad or anything like that i think that we spend too much time looking at nonsense on these things and it's bringing us further from each other and we're starting to see the impact of that and uh we gotta come. We gotta come back together. We gotta come back together. And one of the ways we can do that digitally is through Discord. Yes. Yeah. It feels very. It feels like wholesome. It'll probably get commodified and fucked with or whatever. For there's sure. probably there's probably already nasty things out there about Discord. But like in my experience so far, we could say whatever we want in there amongst our friends, and uh, it's really cool. I've learned a lot. I've really learned a lot from the people in our Discord community. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. One hundred percent. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. Thanks for joining us. Peace, love, and magic. Incredible.